0: Well, good morning. morning. It's so wonderful to be here. I mean, I'm so glad we made it. (laughs) Our flight from Toronto to Dallas, it's the bumpiest flight I have ever been on. It was just potholes all the way. They kept the seatbelt sign on for practically the whole flight. And then the flight from Dallas to Tyler, the pilot didn't show up. So we were like an hour delayed, waiting for the pilot. uh, When he finally did show up, when he landed in Tyler, that's the hardest landing I've ever experienced. He he basically just slammed the plane down on the tarmac. Uh, But we're here, (laughs) and we're grateful. Uh, Hands up, by a show of hands, how many of you were born after 1970? After 1970, Okay, wonderful, and I'm sure some Folks out there on the internet would be in this category as well. Uh, This sermon is for you. So I'm devoting this sermon to those born after 1970. Why? Because you're not taught history. There are some things that happened uh, before you were born or maybe while you were children uh, that you would not be aware of unless somebody tells you. And those of us born before 1970, we, we would be aware of these things. And I'm sure I will remind you of a time in the 70s. If you weren't born before 1970, you wouldn't know about this. But I'm going to tell you. Because this was a time when everybody, and I mean everybody, was kung fu fighting. (laughs) Those kicks were fast as lightning. It was a little bit frightening. There was... Funky Chinamen from Funky Chinatown. They were chopping them up, and they were chopping them down. They said, here comes the big boss. Let's get it on. They took a bow and made a stand, started swinging with the hands. It's an ancient Chinese art, but everybody knew their part. Now, if you're born after 1970, you wouldn't know about this. But now you do. (laughs) At great personal risk, by the way. I have taken great personal risk to share this information with you. Let me explain. Let me explain. Last year, Simon Ledger, he said he was, he was still in shock after he was reported to the police for singing the 1974 number one hit single, Kung Fu Fighting, to a packed bar on the Isle of Wight on Easter Sunday. He claims he was halfway through the song when he was approached by a Chinese man swearing at him. The man was with an older Chinese woman. Yesterday, the song's writer and original performer, Carl Douglas, described the decision to arrest Mr. Ledger as political correctness gone mad. Because the song was not racist. He says the arrest is a little unbelievable because there's no racism in the song. Douglas, who is now 68, says, it's very strange indeed. I'm very proud of the song. Everyone told me that it was a fusion of the West and the East. Uh, everyone told me a fusion of the West and the East couldn't work, and I said, no, it can. I have cousins that are Chinese in Jamaica, so I knew it could work. Why would I sing a song that could be interpreted as racist? So these lyrics that I've shared with you could get me arrested, because they're politically incorrect. That's the world that we live in today. What is going on? I would like for you to be able to say to your friends in a single sentence, your friends who don't attend attend church, when they look at the world that you're growing up in today, and they ask you, what is going on? Hey, you attend church, what's going on? You should be able to give them an answer. Let me share with you a few things that are going on, and let's see, can we explain this in a single sentence? Number one, governments that fight hard for homosexual marriage and transgender rights fight equally hard to bring in Muslim aliens who would destroy transgenders and homosexuals. What sense does this make? The Queen of England's chaplain, Reverend, Reverend Ashenden, resigned because he criticized a church in Glasgow that allowed the Koran to be read in their service. Because he criticized that action, he had to resign. The verse that they read said that Jesus is not divine, and he took objection, uh, an exception to that, and was asked to resign. In England, 1,400 white girls between the ages of 11 and 15 were repeatedly gang-raped for close to 20 years, while the government officials knew about it. And the police knew. But they were afraid to say anything for fear of being labeled racist. What's going on? When our, our daughters are being raped and we back off, we do not stand up and protect weak and innocent. A Catholic, all Catholic priests are being reprimanded for criticizing Islam after one priest in France had his throat slit. They cannot speak out against Islam. In Australia, a Muslim raped eight women and the judge sent, set him free because of cultural differences. That he's not used to seeing women in bikinis, so it's okay, you can go free. In Canada, in Nova Scotia, a Muslim taxi driver was set free after raping a drunk uh, customer because the judge said a drunk woman can consent to intercourse. Uh, Pastor Murray, my co-pastor in Burlington and Ottawa, he says hello, by the way, to everybody. Uh, He gave a sermon a few weeks back, telling us of Bill C-89 in Ontario. We had not heard of this. Most Ontarians have no idea what it is. It is a bill that the government is passing to enable teachers to teach the youngest of children every sexual perversity. And to make it mandatory that these teachers must teach sexual perversion to young children. And parents have no right to object. And in fact, if if parents object to children being exposed to transgenderism, homosexuality, every other perversion, those parents will be considered to be abusing their children. And the government will have the right to take the children out of the home. Bill C-16 This is currently being debated in Canada. This is a bill that will force all of us to use new pronouns. That anybody who says, I'm male, but I identify as female, you must call me she. And if you don't, that is a criminal offense. You can go to jail. Not only that, they're making up pronouns now. So there is pronoun Z or they, and professors. There's a professor in Toronto, a wonderful man, uh, Jordan... Peterson. And he just said he's not doing it. And he nearly lost his job. But he stood up. And now he's in the Senate debating this. And he's saying he's not going to use made-up pronouns. And the government cannot force him to use made-up pronouns. And so now this is being debated. You may have heard of Bill M-103, or sorry, Motion M-103 in Canada. This is a private member's motion that is seeking, it it will become law, it's seeking to condemn Islamophobia in all its forms. And to quell, quell is a very strong word, it means to stamp out by force, to quell any Islamophobia. So the Bible will soon be considered Islamophobic. And they they want to use a whole-of-government approach to quelling Islamophobia. The same administrators who fought to get the Lord's Prayer out of school are fighting equally hard to get Islamic prayer into school. How do you explain this? In Canada, we've opened our borders. Everyone is welcome. People with criminal records, as long as my arm, are walking into into Canada. And they're welcomed. Our RCMP are are as um, porters. Our RCMP have been reduced to porters who pick up their luggage and help them across the border. Our Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, very wealthy man, never worked, spent his youth going through 90 countries, decided he would finally work and took as his first job, I I think I'll run a country. And so his first job is to run Canada. Declares himself a feminist and wishes that all men would be feminists. And refuses, in fact, is withdrawing all of our troops from fighting ISIS, who hate women, but he refuses to fight ISIS. He's converting our army bases into Muslim refugee hotels, complete with Kor'ans and prayer rugs. He is limiting the time for the opposition party to contradict any bills to be debated in parliament. He wants to close down Parliament on Fridays which of course is the Muslim prayer day. He is seeking to legalize marijuana and admits openly that he smoked marijuana against the law while he's now seeking to legalize it. He has introduced gun control where a Canadian to get a gun license must have ID and must have be pictured on the ID unless, of course, your, your religion says that you must wear a burqa and only your eyes can be seen in which case you can have a gun and we don't, know, we don't care who you are. Black Lives Matter is insisting that no police be allowed at the gay pride parade this year. So, those who used to be in the closet are now parading, and the only way police can come is if they go in the closet. Our, our, our media you know, I, I get a kick out of turning on CNN. They don't call it the communist news network for nothing. It's hilarious. But it's not just CNN. All the news media is totally biased. How do we explain this? How do we explain that our televisions are getting higher and higher definition and becoming more and more empty in their content? In a single sentence, can you explain what is going on? I think I can. And that's what I want to do for the sermon today. I want to explain what is going on. And as we are counting toward Pentecost, I then want to explore our need for the Holy Spirit. Why we need the Holy Spirit, especially the next generation. The generation coming up after us. Our children and their children need the Holy Spirit. And we need to understand why. What is it that the Holy Spirit will do for us? You know, when I was... And I wonder if I could just ask for some water. When I was at university, I took a calculus class. And, and calculus is like advanced mathematics. It was confusing. I, I couldn't figure this thing out if, you, if, you, if my life depended on it. And I struggled, and I struggled, and I struggled. And I had a math teacher in high school that always said to me, Adrian, whenever you're confused with math, go back to first principles, go back to first principles. And then one day, I just got it. It just all made sense. You could throw any differentiation or integration problem at me and I could just solve it. It just suddenly all made sense. And that's how I feel today. That this confusing world, which seems to make no sense, all of a sudden it makes sense. Thank you so much. All of a sudden it makes sense. We know that the devil deceives the whole world. But let's go back to first principles to make sense of this world. Genesis 10. Let's go to Genesis 10. First principles. What is going on? In Genesis 10 and verse 8, we see Moses highlight the birth and the renown of a particular individual. Genesis 10 and verse 8. Begat Nimrod. In all of these genealogies, Moses wants us to pay attention to this man, Nimrod. He began to be a mighty one in the earth. This was someone to pay attention to. He was a mighty hunter. The word says before in the English is actually against. He was a mighty hunter against the Lord. Therefore it said... Even as Nimrod, the mighty hunter against the Lord. He was so powerful that when you wanted to explain how strong somebody was, you used Nimrod as, as a metaphor. Oh, he's as strong as Nimrod. We would say today as strong as Hercules. To, to give somebody the sense of uh, the strength. Who is, by the way, uh, 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 Nimrod in a different language. The beginning. This is where it began. The beginning, it was, a, it was, a, it was expansionist. Nimrod was about supremacy, control, and expansion. The beginning of his kingdom was Babel. This is the Babylonian start. And Iraq, what we say Iraq today. And Akkad and Kalna in the land of Shinar. Out of that land went forth Asher and built Nineveh. And the city Rehoboth and Kala. Moses is just amazed at the accomplishments of this man. And he was a totalitarian. He was seeking global control of the earth. And we see that in Genesis 11. Genesis 11 verse 1. The whole earth was of one language. And of one speech. Not just one language, but the same ideology. Everyone agreed. What what came out of their mouth was the same ideology. And the only way that is possible is when you kill everybody who disagrees with you. And that's what he did. He was a mighty hunter. And anyone who did not agree with him, he basically killed. These, in fact, are the first Muslims. These are the first people to surrender their will to a human being, which is idolatry. Which is what the Muslims have done. They surrendered their will to Muhammad. And he slaughtered anybody who disagreed with him. So when Muhammad died, all of Saudi Arabia was of one language and one ideology. And they're seeking global control. And that's what he had here. And so it goes on now in verse 3, that they said to one another, come, let's make brick and burn them thoroughly. This is a very important project, and it needs to last. And they had brick for stone and slime for mortar, and they said, let us build a city and a tower, a political system and a religious way of justifying it, whose top may reach unto heaven... And let us make a name, lest we be scattered abroad in the face of the whole earth. This is the agenda. This is first principles. That there are human beings who want total control over other human beings. And this is the work of the devil. And it continues to this day. And and we see when God saw this, he reacted. He had to stop this because he says here, in verse 6, The Lord said, Behold, the people are one and they all have one language and this is what they begin to do this is the level of the depth of depravity that they are engaged in to force the whole world into idolatry and now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do the imagination of man is evil there is no limit to the depth of depravity of the imagination of mankind the devil gets inside our imagination and it is bottomless and Eve, there's no limit to the evil of men when Satan gets inside them. And so God said, we have to move and have to stop this. Mission interrupted. And they spread all over the world because God changed their language, but he didn't change their ideology. So this ideology is the foundation of all civilizations, except for one, and that's Israel. Apart from Israel... All other civilizations are founded on this ideology, to seek total control over the will of human beings. Now, the mistake that we make is to think that men run the world. That men control other men. This is a big mistake. Ideas run the world. People come and go. Ideas run the You don't Egyptian empire. You don't run an empire for 3000 years with one man. There's no man that lives 3000 years. What run that what ran that empire was an ideology. People don't have ideas. Ideas have people. We are born and we get infected by ideas, ideas and consumed by these ideas and these ideas are what run the world. People come and go. The explanation to all of this confusion, people fighting for transgender rights and fighting equally hard to import people who slaughter those people, the explanation is this. The Marxists have won. The communists have won. That Once I figured this out, everything made sense. The communists have won. Karl Marx, a philosopher in the 1800s, a Jewish philosopher, hated God, hated marriage, hated family, and dreamed of a utopian society without God. And he believed that once the world went to war, everybody would unite against the capitalists. And they would usher in utopia. And it didn't work. So here's quick history. I'm going to give you a quick history. Uh, 10 decades, 100 years, in seven steps. 1918, the First World War ends. The Marxists are confused. They thought for sure communism would run the whole world after the First World War, or after this World War the Marxist loyalists came together to try to figure out what happened. In the 1920s, Antonio Gramsci, an Italian philosopher, wrote a book called The Prison Notebooks, where he explained that Marx was right, but his premise was wrong. That the conflict was not economic, but cultural. And that the way communism would win is not through economic conflict of the haves and the have-nots, but through cultural conflict of the oppressed and the oppressor. And the way to destroy Christian family, because they realized the Christian family was shaping minds, and they could not get control of these minds. So the the way to destroy the Christian family and get control of these minds was to destroy Christian patriarchy. In the 1920s then, these tremendous intellectuals came together and founded the Institute of Social Research called the Frankfurt School. the short form, the Frankfurt School. Jewish philosophers, great thinkers, intellectual giants, men that if they walked amongst us, they would see us as, as cockroaches. They are that clever. They came together to say we must make Marxism successful. And they shifted to cultural Marxism. In the 1930s, Hitler came to power. Because they were Jews, they had to flee. And they came to the United States, specifically to New York. And because they were intellectuals, they were welcomed by Fred Dewey. We've all heard of the Dewey Decimal System. Fred Dewey welcomed them into Columbia University. And they began what they call the long march through the institutions. They wanted to take over all of the institutions. And so while we were in this cold war with with, uh, communist Russia, they were in a cultural war with us. And we didn't realize. In the 1960s, one of these uh, philosophers, Henry Marcuse, coupled with Sigmund Freud, began the sexual liberation. Communism has no morals. Communism is deplorable. Even though they may present themselves as husband and wife, they have open marriages. They have no sexual morality at all. And they began the sexual liberation movement in the 60s. In the 70s, they began the homosexual agenda. The whole idea was to take these uh, underprivileged classes and have them overthrow Christian patriarchy. In the 1990s we began to focus on diversity and then in the 2000s the big import was Islam. That if we believe that everything is equal, why is your religion any better than Islam? And so they are sponsoring Islam because they realize Islam was designed to destroy Christianity. And so the agenda is to destroy Christianity through Islam, through religion, but also through culture. And they have invaded all of our cultural institutions. Very quickly, if you were to Google the 45 goals of communism, which was published in 1963, you would see how successful they they have been. They have won. The communists are in control. They run media They run politics, they run Hollywood, they run the courts, they're everywhere. And they have this Marxist philosophy that they're trying to introduce with no proof that it is successful. There is no communist government where we can say people are happy, where people are free and fulfilling their potential. There is no Islamic government that we can look at to say people are happy and free. Look what America has achieved in just a few hundred years greatest civilization we've ever seen and it and it has blessed so many people around the world it's not perfect but it's the best we've ever seen marxists muslims they have perfection on paper but in practice they just slaughter tens of millions of people at the drop of a hat it's brutal one of these goals was to infiltrate and gain control of big business they've done that Another goal, to present homosexuality, degeneracy, promiscuity as normal, natural, and healthy. They've done that. Another one, to break down cultural standards of morality by promoting pornography and obscenity in books, magazines, motion pictures, radio, and TV. They've done that. Another goal, to discredit the family as an institution, encourage promiscuity, and easy divorce. Another goal, emphasize the need to raise children away from the negative influence of parents. This is all happening right now. The Marxists have won. We didn't. We we thought when the Berlin when the Berlin Wall fell, we thought we won. But they were they were underground, infiltrating everything, and now they've won, and and they are brutal. Both Marxism and Islam desire to control every aspect of your life. There's not a single thing you should be able to do that they should not have say over. I was speaking to a man who used to work for the U.S. Department of Agriculture. And he said, you know, we had a problem with rats. The farms were overrun with rats. And so they came up with this brilliant solution. They would import corn snakes. And so they went and they got all these corn snakes and they brought them into the farms. And then they didn't realize corn snakes in America have no natural predator. And so soon they had a problem with corn snakes. And that's exactly what's happening today. Today they have a problem with you. You're the deplorables. Marxists hate Christians. And they must destroy Christianity. And so they're bringing in Muslims to destroy Christians but they have no idea what they're playing with. They're playing with fire. Quran 4, verse 24. To the Muslim community. All married women are forbidden unto you. In other words, adultery is forbidden. Except, there's an exception. Those whom your right hands possess. In other words, when you <laughs> enslave Christian women, it doesn't matter if they're married, you can rape them. To explain this, there's a hadith. Abu Dawood, 2150, and Sahih Muslim, 3433, says this. The apostle of Allah, that's Muhammad, sent a military expedition to Atas on the occasion of the Battle of Hunayn. They met their enemy and fought with them. They defeated them and took them captives. Some of the companions of the apostle of Allah were reluctant to have intercourse with the female captives in the presence of their husbands. So the husbands were still alive. So Allah, the exalted, sent down the Quranic verse that we just read. All married women are forbidden unto you, except the captives. So the Quran authorizes rape of Jewish and Christian women. This is a gift from Allah to his believers. And... The Marxists love this. This is wonderful. But they don't know what they're playing with. The Marxists uh, cozied up with the Muslims in Iran. And when the Muslims in Iran took over Ayatollah Khomeini, the first thing they did was they beheaded all of the communists and paraded their heads up and down the street. They don't know what they're playing with. Enough. I just want to say this very clearly. There is a divide. On the one hand, we have Judeo-Christian culture, which has blessed the whole world. And on the other, we have this Islamo-Marxist partnership. And the world now has to choose. Do we retain the God of the Bible, or do we submit to Allah or atheism? It's an Islamo-Marxist partnership. We, either one, whether it's Islam or Marxism, we are sheep for the slaughter. They both hate us equally. And they're both designed to destroy the Christian family. This is the heart of the matter, that God designed the family so that the family would shape human minds. And what Satan wants to do is destroy the family. And we need the Holy Spirit to protect us from this. Communists love divorce. In communist Russia, they they were divorcing like this. A person would have 10, 15 divorces in their lifetime. It was just easy, easy. You send in a postcard, say, I want a divorce, they send you back your papers, you're divorced. In Islam, all the man has to say is, talak, 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 and that you're divorced. I divorce you, I divorce you, I divorce you, you're gone. Easy divorce, a destruction of the family. In communism, it's all about abortion. Women were having abortions left, right, and it was totally legal in communist Russia, in Cuba, anywhere where there's communism. Muslims don't believe in abortion. No, 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 that's terrible. What they do is take a six-year-old girl, strap explosives around her, send her into the police station, and then blow her up and detonate it. Both are worshiping Moloch, sacrificing their children to the devil. It's the same thing. Islamo-Marxist partnership is the same devil. Working against the Judeo Christian culture. So, what do we do? What is our response in a, in a global jihad, a global struggle against the ideas that we stand for? John 9. John 9 and verse 4, Christ says, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night comes when no man can work. The night is coming. There's a time when we won't be able to meet like this. There's a time when it's going to be very, very difficult to preach the gospel. And more than likely, that's going to befall the next generation So we have to do what we can to pass on these truths to our children and our grandchildren. And they must do this work even when the night falls. How? This is what we're counting towards. Pentecost. The celebration of receiving the Holy Spirit. Because it's the Holy Spirit that will do this work. Human beings come and go. The devil is still at work. The same devil that was working in Nimrod is working through the Islamo Marxist partnership today. And the same Jesus Christ that worked through Abraham, Moses, uh, the patriarchs, the prophets, that same Jesus Christ is with us today and will be with our children and our grandchildren. Let's see this what's required of us in John 16. John 16 So we're in a world where the Marxists are in control, they're using every subculture they can to destroy Christianity, including Islam. They're welcoming the Muslims into Western society to destroy Christianity. What can we do? John 16, verse 1. Christ says to us, these things I've spoken unto you, that you should not be offended. In other words, there's some bad news coming. But don't get upset. Stay the course. They shall put you out of their assemblies. So suddenly you're going to be the enemy. You're the bad guy. Yes, the time comes that whosoever kills you will think that he does God's service. This verse, this verse is what tells me the Marxists lose in the end. There's this global agenda of Marxism, introducing communism all over the world. By the way, the Pope is a Marxist. Your previous president was a Marxist. Our prime minister is a Marxist. The new uh, uh, prime minister in France is a Marxist. Marxism is everywhere. What the Bible says is, there's a time coming when whoever kills you will think that he does God's service. So atheism is not the thing. It's religious. That there's a false God that will have force and control of the world. The the Nimrod agenda will succeed through a false God. There is nothing more powerful than an idea with God behind it. So-called God. There's there's nothing that motivates human beings more than threatening them with the afterlife. Eternity and hellfire. Communism can't do that. Verse 3 and these things they will do to you. Why? Because they don't know the father nor me. They have no idea of family. They're against family. But these things I've told you, that when the time shall come, and we need to tell our children and our grandchildren, that when the time shall come, you may remember that I told you of them. People come and go, this, the word of God lasts forever. This is true. And these things I said not unto you, at the beginning, because I was with you. So he was there, so he didn't feel it necessary to tell them. None of this was going to happen while he was there. But now he's leaving, and he's saying, you have to know these things. And now, by extension, we have to know these things. And I'm saying our children, our grandchildren, it may be us. Luke says it's going to come as a snare suddenly upon the earth. So it may be us. But my estimate right now is it's going to take a couple of decades for this to fully unfold. But now I go my way to him that sent me. So, I, now I go my way to him that sent me. And none of you asks me where I go. This is the greatest thing. That Christ has triumphed. And he's going back to heaven. And he's saying to the disciples, you don't care. I just gave you the profoundest truth. That I'm going back to him who sent me. And not one of you asked me a question. Why? They got hung up at the part that said they're going to put you to death. When when they heard what was going to happen to them, they got stuck. And they couldn't move beyond that. And he says, not one of you asked me where I'm going. But because I've said these things unto you, sorrow has filled your heart. So this is apparently bad news. And they were filled with sorrow. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's necessary for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. So we know that the Holy Spirit has has been sent to us. And when when it comes, this is what it's going to do. This is the work that we must be aware of, the Holy Spirit. When it comes, it will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Well, now how is that going to happen? How is the Holy Spirit going to reprove the world of sin? Do we just sit back here and do nothing, and somehow the Holy Spirit is going to reprove the world of sin? Or is this the work that must be done through us? That Christ came and He reproved the world of sin, and now He's gone away and sent the Holy Spirit to enable us to reprove the world of sin. So somebody has to stand up to this Marxist, this Islamo-Marxist agenda. And somebody needs to declare the evil they are per, uh, perpetrating on the family. Who? That's our job. That's, what, that's why we need the Holy Spirit. That's why we celebrate Pentecost. That we can declare the truth in the Bible, regardless of political correctness. The Bible may not be politically correct. That's not my problem. That's the politician's po- problem. My duty and your duty, our duty, is to declare the truth of the Bible. Of sin, because they don't believe in me. They don't believe in the family. They don't believe God came from heaven. Of righteousness, because I go to my father, he was successful. Mission accomplished. And you see me no more. Of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. I have many things to say unto you, but you can't bear them now. Again, the need for the Holy Spirit. They couldn't bear it. They couldn't handle it. The Holy Spirit enables us to handle the truth, to see the big picture, and not get caught up with the short-term picture. Yeah, there's a bit of difficulty here, and then there's eternity. And the Holy Spirit enables us to peer into eternity. So they couldn't handle it now because they didn't have the Holy Spirit, but he would send the Comforter. I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when it the, the spirit of truth comes, it will guide you into all truth. We will see things clearly. Regardless of how, how intensely bad it may be in the short term, we'll see that and we'll see the big picture very clearly because of the Holy Spirit. It will guide us into all truth. For it shall not speak of itself... But whatsoever it shall hear, that it shall speak, and it will show you things to come, will understand prophecy. It shall glorify me, so the Spirit will glorify Christ, for it shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. All things that the Father has are mine. mind, therefore I I said that he shall take of mine and show it to you. A little while, and you you shall not see me, and again a little while, and you shall see me, because I go to the Father." Let's drop down to verse 20. The Holy Spirit will enable us to understand this. It will enable our children and our grandchildren and generations yet to come to understand this. Truly, truly, Christ says it twice. This is true. This is true. Truly, truly, I say unto you, that you shall weep and lament. The people who are in control, they're not our friends. They don't care about us. They don't care about our families. They don't care about the good we want to do in the world. They want control. And we're standing in the way. Truly, truly, I say unto you, you shall weep and lament. But while we're weeping and lamenting, the world shall rejoice. Opposite agendas. And you shall be sorrowful. However, our sorrow shall be turned into joy. This is what the Holy Spirit enables us to understand. I mean, uh, uh, people, if they could get the news, the actual news, they would go into depression. The world is not heading into a good place. And everybody knows it. Everyone knows it. The difference for us is we can stare darkness in the face and still have joy. Because we can see through the darkness. That's not the end of the story. That's just actually the beginning of the story. This is how we usher in the kingdom of God. By conquering this darkness. So, our, so the world is going to be full of joy. This is wonderful. We have world peace. United Nations. It's just so wonderful. But let's get rid of those Christians. Let's slaughter those Christians. And so we shall have sorrow. But our sorrow shall be turned into joy. A woman... When she is in travail, she has sorrow, because her hour has come, and our our hour will come. But as soon as she... The moment she is delivered of the child, she remembers no more the anguish for joy that a man has come into the world. And this is our situation. When our hour comes, and it's coming, the stage is being set, we shall have sorrow. But this is like birth pangs. And the moment we are born, we, we... That was nothing. No comparison to where we're heading and and our future. Now you therefore have sorrow, but Jesus Christ says, I will see you again, and your heart shall rejoice, and your joy, no man, no Nimrod, no Muhammad, no Karl Marx, nobody can take this joy from us. We're gonna conclude in Acts 5. For those of you born after 1970, the world you inherit is going to be very different from the world that we grew up in. Very, very different. The burden of preaching that you will have will be very different from the burden that we've had. The way you preach the gospel will be very different from the way we have preached the gospel. We've done our best. We've done our best. I hope we've done our best. May God accept our service. And then we pass the baton to you and then you run your course. But God expects the same thing from all of his people. That we do not put anything before him. That would be idolatry. Not even our own lives. We are doing everything we can to usher in the kingdom of God. Even in an environment of intense political correctness. They want to silence me from talking about a time when everybody was kung fu fighting. But I want to talk about it. I want to talk about this. It's important. It's important because everybody was kung fu fighting. And I want you to know that that's the nature of man. It's violent. And Satan can bring all mankind into this attitude and spirit of violence. Those kicks were fast as lightning, state of the art. Man is always looking for state-of-the-art violence. In fact, it was a little bit frightening. Indeed, when mankind gets his way, when he can do it in the imagination of his heart, it's frightening. But they fought with expert timing. This was something that they practiced over and over and over again. They perfect their violence. And you need to know about this. It's an ancient Chinese art. You know, I thought man was evolving, getting better and better and more peaceful. But here we have a violent art that is ancient that they continue to practice to this day. The heart of man doesn't change. And everybody knew their part. There was somebody who was instructing everybody, and they all agreed. They all worshiped this beast of war. So whatever the technology, whatever the capability, we need you to know that the heart of man is evil. And we need to talk about that. Luke says, or Luke reports that Christ said, Woe unto you, and all men shall speak well of you. So did their fathers to the false prophets. We need to stand up. They may not like it. They may not speak well of us. But we have an obligation to preach the truth. Look at Acts 5. Acts 5. And verse 28, when the apostles got into trouble and they were told, verse 28, didn't we straightly command you, we were very clear and we commanded you that you should not teach in this name. And behold, you have filled all Jerusalem with your doctrine. You did the exact opposite. It was not politically correct for you to teach this doctrine and you did it anyway. And not only did you do it anyway, you filled all of Jerusalem with it. You did it with passion. And you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Then Peter and the other apostles, they were not, they were not unclear. They were all clear and they answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than man. The world is changing. And it's becoming intense. And if we do not have the Holy Spirit, we will not have the courage to do what we have to do in this environment of oppression. We need the Holy Spirit. And so as we count towards Pentecost, let's really concentrate on our need for the Spirit and how it will bring us into truth. And when we come into that truth, the truth sets us free. We're free from fear. We're free from fear. And the truth then enables us to be bold. The whole book of Acts is about the boldness that the Spirit gave to the church to preach the gospel. He says here, We ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you slew and hung on a tree. Him has God exalted with His right hand to be a prince and a savior, for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are His witnesses of these things. And so also is the Holy Spirit Whom God has given to them that obey him. And this is what we want for our children and grandchildren. That they would receive the Holy Spirit. And that they would carry on, that you would carry on this work. And that you would would see what we see. That all of this is passing away. the, The Marxists are fighting so hard for control of this world. And it's passing away. God is giving us control of a new world but we must be faithful. So as we gather to celebrate the Holy Spirit in two weeks, let's celebrate the truth that the Spirit reveals to us and the boldness that it gives us to preach that truth.